0: Of the morning to
1: you, Josh. You know what today is, right? I do. I do. I, I, I'm impressed with your um, uh, your celebratory celebratory mood. It is, in fact, St. Patty's Day. Are you Are you doing anything St. Patty-y? Uh Well, I'm wearing a green shirt. Oh, mean?
0: nice.
1: Okay, yeah, that certainly counts. I'm wearing a Jimi Hendrix shirt that has about six letters that are in green.
0: So I feel pretty right. good about that. Yeah, that counts. That that keeps you from getting pinched unless someone really
1: needed to. Exactly, exactly. I am going to disappoint my mother though because corned beef has not been um, on the menu at all um, either uh, this week or no- in fact, I can't remember the last time that I had corned beef. It's cor- just 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 not to be you know condescending, but it's corned beef. Right. Oh no, I understand that, and I understand the distinction. Right. It's not corn-fed beef, but it's is is when it's corned. Is that like a brine? Is that what that means? Do you, I assume you know.
0: I I actually don't know where the the terminology came from, but it has to do with the brining. Yeah, because it's really just a brisket, but it's yeah. because you But but because you put the you know, the brining seasoning on it, um, and
1: then the manner which it's cooked after that, it Ooh, somehow that somehow you know what. Well, I, I think my mom will be proud of me then because I did I did make my first brisket this week. So I made it on Monday, and there are still leftovers. So right, made, but but,
0: but brisket brisket does not make corned beef. You know, you know. Otherwise, Texas would be permanently celebrating St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you well, go to the Jewish what... you go to the Jewish deli and have a hot pastrami sandwich. You're you're not celebrating
1: St. Patty's Day. Okay, okay. Well my, my brisket did uh turn out delightfully though, I should have to say. I think it's the first okay. time that I've that I've used the um the insta, insta cooker or instapot pot, as an, pot in, right. as, as an Insta. pot, right. As as an Instapot or as an instant pot. Um I right. think it was so I always
0: like I always say Instapot like Instagram, uh, but um it, it is I corrected
1: frequently, it is instant pot. Well, no. This is one of those Xerox sort of things that this is ours is and I'm oh
0: cooking. oh so it's a knockoff. It's not a. It's like a right right. It's like a bandage versus a Band-Aid or punch versus Kool Aid. You have an well, instant no. You have an in,
1: instant cooker, not an or is it an actual instant pot? It it is an Insta Pot, and I think that that's like Kool Aid versus punch. The Instapot is the is the brand name or is the the name of the machine. So mm. I'm pretty sure this is the Kool Aid or the Xerox or the. Mm. I, you know what? This this may be one of those things that we'll have to return to in a later episode. That I'll do a little bit more research on it. And and it no, may.
0: Be- I, 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 I have just confirmed, Josh. It is the brand is Instant Pot. That is the originator
1: of the quick cooker. Oh, wow. Boy. So if you if you in
0: fact have an insta pot, you have a
1: knockoff. Or you okay, just so mispronounce it.
0: Or you're just mispronouncing it as I originally accused you of. perhaps boy, that's
1: strike two for me. No corned beef. <laughs> right, this, no
0: instapot. Right. This is a su this is a super gaze, by the way. Is it insta or instant? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, well well actually I don't
1: mean to well actually Josh, but well actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go my my favorite comeback is just saying, right? <laughs> like anybody- I'm gonna go ahead and I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna mansplain the brand names of quick cookers to you. Okay.
1: <laughs> anyway, my brisket was delicious. I must say, I was very pleased with it, and I shall be doing it again. Um, we, we actually had we actually had corned beef in my household
0: both last night and then we will again tonight. Oh, very in nice. Form, when, in the form of leftover Reuben sandwiches, but yes. And uh, did you have cabbage as well? We actually 86 the cabbage this year because it's a lot of cabbage and very little ever gets
1: eaten. That's, that's I,
0: had, I had I lobbied for coleslaw, but I was overruled.
1: Overruled, and what was is that served in place?
0: There was, we just 86 sixed all form of greenery, and there was just uh, potatoes and carrots. You're not interested in poop today. course. Uh, I, I, I pooped plenty. Okay, if, if you must know, if you must know,
1: yeah, maybe no, that I'm, is I'm,
0: maybe that is maybe that is another um, benefit to the instant pot. Is if you if you eat right, you also instant poop.
1: <laughs> that that, that maybe so. You may be the first person who said that. Uh, this week, I also made some um, air fried radishes actually, and um, they were made. So we're, for, wait, were they air fried or were they deep fried? They they were air fried. They were made and they were made in the form of of like French fries. And um, I'm telling you. That it, there's, there, it was, sl- there was a slight bitterness as radishes are slightly bitter, but I truly believe that I could have served them to almost anybody and that they, and told them that they were potato french fries and they'd have just thought that they were not very good potato french fries. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I pledge. And with utter certainty and complete confidence that if I had served these and told you that they were potato French fries, you would say, these are
1: horrible. But no, but no, they're mediocre, mediocre. I mean, but you would not have doubted. Well, you know how sometimes when you try to home make something that is a restaurant dish, you know, homemade French fries are not as good as McDonald's French fries under the best case scenario. And so you'd be like, okay, well, maybe, you know, it." it it's Not quite. You would just think that they were home potato fries, so not very
0: good is what you're getting at versus telling someone that they would believe that they just got a
1: crappy version of the thing that you were telling them it was. Correct. Correct. Exactly. And um, so I was really, really pleased with that. I thought that, that was good. Was there anything else that you that was of note that you've consumed as of late?
0: With regards to calories and food and such, yeah, we're yeah, all yeah, consumers yeah. all the time you know exactly. um but you know I was, there was the corned beef, I'm sure we ate something delightful over the weekend, but that was at least four days ago um you know it's it's I read an interesting article in the Atlantic about um pandemic brain
1: mm-hmm.
0: is is sort of as as we as a culture, as people, mostly even even people who are people who are maybe strict, strict, strict about the rules, may be suffering the worst. But you know, but most people are sort of choosy about how they you know you're, if you're seeing family, that's not household family, or whatever. But you're still, for the most part, not regularly going into work, not regularly riding trains, going to concerts, going to restaurants, all the things that we used to do. Uh, where so more, most people are spending a lot more time at home and with fewer people than they did before. And uh, many people are reporting uh, a sort of a porridge brain or just a sort of a mushy sort of sense of dulled senses, not being able to remember what happened yesterday, not being able to, you know, not being able to recall words that they ought to be able to recall regularly, you know, maybe in the way that are described as senior moments, but. The individual in question is not a senior, so there's a, a frequent a frequent amount of brain farting, and it has been shown, evidently, that in these situations people sort of have, they start to get a smoother sort of, um, um, and, and now I'm doing it contours to their brain, whereas they're just not as sharp as they normally would be, and the hope is obviously that when things start to return. That you'll get your get your mojo back, <clears throat> but the point being is, no, no, I don't remember what we had over the weekend. Like I said, it was probably good, but the corned beef was great when we we don't just corn it and and cook it, but it's also made with a uh, Dijon mustard and brown sugar glaze.
1: Mm, okay. Okay.
0: Right, that you would if that unless you were chefy, you might not necessarily know what it was that made it so, you know, so yummy, mm-hmm. other than something sticky, so to speak. So you, but you, but in any case, it is the thing that knocks it over, knocks it over the edge. I love it every year. Very and nice. Growing up, I growing up, I was not a corned beef person, and I mm-hmm. think it's largely because the the recipes have just not
1: um, tickled my fancy. Right. Well, I, I don't remember being uh, necessarily a huge fan of, of corned beef myself. It, it, if if I were to be honest, my memory and, and I don't know that anyone well, in my how family. Is, let's play a game. Let's play. Let's play a game. Don't okay. be honest. Okay. Uh, <laughs> then then i <laughs> I'm just, I'm just playing at, with you. <laughs> everyone in the family embraced corned beef wholeheartedly and were anxiously awaiting uh, March 17th um, in, in the hopes that there would be corned beef but uh, with 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 that slight detour from from uh veracity um i it, it is interesting that we it seems like during this this pandemic time it's it's possible that some of our um viewing habits have have synced up um i know that um this past weekend i was finishing up that uh, murder among the mormons thinking that i was going to um really really impress you with something new that i've been watching and you were like oh, yep we just finished it um, and yeah. um, I and I Pete believe
0: you also finished crashing with Pete Holmes.
1: Oh, we finished. We did finish crashing. As Exceptional. Did I. You finished that as well. We also saw. I, I'll just I'll just uh, spout out for you. Uh, we saw uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And we, we saw um, the King of Staten Island finally, which I've been waiting on for at least a year to to finally – or maybe not at least a year because I think it came out last summer. But I feel like I've been waiting a year for it. And you know what? Right. that's part of, that
0: part of that whole pandemic, right? You've lost sense of time. You don't know
1: how long it's been. That, that is absolutely true because I should have known because it was released um, video on demand when it was originally released because, um, uh, because of the pandemic and and I should have remembered that and um I I would have to say that I would give for different reasons thumbs up for all of them now we've we've talked about crashing before I felt like crashing um I was sad that it ended but I felt like it ended um uh perfectly and that though I would have liked to have spent more time with those characters um, I really felt like the story was fundamentally told in a way that that I felt it gave closure while still obviously making it clear that there's there's a life to be lived. Did you have any problems with the end or anything to speak of? No, we well, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, I enjoyed it very much, obviously.
0: Uh, I His character is, is based on his real person, very charming. And, of course, there was the multiple, uh, I, I don't know if, you know, Guest boss cameos of comedians as playing themselves. And, and so there's, there's a lot of, a lot of joke telling that made it enjoyable. Plus there's also very, very, very many cringy moments that made it seem very real. Right. I, I'd have to say that I, I was curious because they only have eight episodes to do it. And one thing I noticed is, is there's, there's always a, a chief principal female lead in each season. The first, there's three seasons, the first season being his ex the second season being Allie, the other uh, woman comedian.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then that season ends with them breaking up. Mm-hmm. Then the third season basically starts with him meeting a, a new woman who sort of breathes new life into him and makes him feel very adventurous. And so as a plot device, necess- I, I, not necessary, but it makes sense based on his character that he wouldn't be as adventurous on his own, given his past. Right. So he is there needed to be a, a push from an external force and in this case it was his love interest and they were so they, they there there weren't very many clues that they weren't that well matched until suddenly they were breaking up that, and i that, think the
1: fascinating what? to me because well i felt like the writing was on, personally my impression was the this third one the writing was on the wall when they met that this was going to end in disaster that's fascinating we, because we haven't well, talked
0: about it. course. Well, no, I would say that I, I don't know if the writing's on the wall. I mean, it would be on the wall mathematically because because she was such an adventurous person and he is such a, a reserved person, and in that way that, but the way in which he sort of jumps in with you know head first with her and they seem so into each other, it's not that it was going to end that it would eventually end, but the it just turns so suddenly I mean, not that suddenly, because there was time he met his folks, and she he found out that there was the alley character that he went that he did the gig with, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah no, but no. but 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 a lot of that i I read it as his 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 stupidity or inability to know what's important and what to tell and what not to tell and how to tell it versus versus that being her some sort of controller or whatever, Right. Uh, Okay. And 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 then and then the way and and I I wouldn't have pegged her character the the um, what is the third
1: I don't remember I never the, remember names
0: I, I apologize okay well his third girlfriend the third you know, female lead she seemed fairly likable until the episode where they break up where she just turns into a major unpleasant person Right. right.
1: Her likability was based on her ethereal qualities, and I think that they were so clearly fleeting and flighty that I, I felt like it was... it was to, and, and I was saying this as, as we were watching it, that um, it, was, it was setting up for, Like, I could tell that it was going to go south when these personalities that were not meant to be together in the long run, but had dove in so deep so quickly... Um, that it was a recipe for disaster, and and even when he goes well, on the trip- I mean, I
0: guess I guess my my point is is like really like, for as, for as clear as it was that they weren't matched, maybe, it it, it 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 the the turn was so like everything was basically fine, barring this one him not telling her about Ally, and then a minute later she shows up at the stand-up routine just being a total, not nice person. Right. now was I, I, it, that way, that her, her her. It's not that their breakup wasn't predictable. It was that her behavior and the manner in which it played out
1: was not. I, I, you know what? Okay. First of all, I appreciate your um, conscious avoidance of the words that I believe that, should, that are on, at the forefront of your mind as you're describing her. Um, but okay, with with that modification, I absolutely agree that there was definitely a sharp right turn in terms of her becoming a psychopath. And I think one of the things that the the program did so well, though, was that as, even if one wouldn't have predicted that it would have gone that south that quickly, it was utterly believable that it did. Like there, I think to me that discomfort, and perhaps it's because I feel like I have experienced it before that discomfort of the, just the public nature of that sort of just turn and his powerlessness in that public scenario was just so like, I don't know, it was gripping to me. I thought, thought that that was one of the most powerful, emotionally turbulent and, um, you know, heavy, I guess, episode rip- of television that I've seen.
0: Well, yeah, well, yeah. I might, I might not give it that much weight, but it was certainly, yeah, it, it, it for, for for a show that was so good at being um, mostly pleasant. We, you know, you know, sort of playfully mm-hmm. telling the story of this comedian's uh, demise and then re, rebirth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it, it it was quite a bit heavier and and real but most gripping so, yeah. moment on TV might,
1: might be a, a bit
0: of hyperbole for me. Um, um, but
1: you, yeah. In terms of just its emotional resonance with, again, the combination of that lost innocence of his having been, them being so madly in love with each other, his powerlessness, her pain, um, because I thought that she, she was an empathetic character. She was not something that she, she did not pretend to be something that she was not. Um, and so like i said it was it was very very gripping, but you're right, perhaps that was a little bit of hyperbole nonetheless it 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 definitely moved me but yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah um back to the back to the mormons, uh, uh, speaking of things that were unexpected um and I really because it's so brand new i I would encourage many people to watch it as many people as possible, but um were. <laughs> All twelve of you, twelve hundred. Thank you very much.
0: 1,000.
1: Um, oh, like, darn it! I, well, you know, I, well, I like to to underplay it so that people still feel like they're part of a cult as they're listening. So you know, I, hey, listen, who, there, there can be twelve million
0: of them. They're still a cult. There, there's, 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 there's
1: there's there's bigger cults out there. Speaking
0: of cults, back to the Mormons. <laughs>
1: Um did did you see, were did you find it at all predictable cuz for me by the third of, at the end of the second episode I felt like okay this is decent you know we we basically um, the um uh one of the the young ladies who are who we live with suggested that we watch something that was like true crime or something like that and I didn't want to watch some sort of serial killer garbage or you know murder next door and I saw that this was on. I was like, okay, yeah, you know, this, right. Well, this on. this this is definitely not a serial killer and not a murder next door. So right, right. right. And it's still true crime. Criteria. Right, right, well, it's still true crime. And I felt like at least that there's some sort of social connotation because it has to do with religion and society. You know, like just, I, I know it may seem sure. arbitrary, But in my mind, that was something that would fit the bill. And at the end of the second episode, I was like, okay, you know, this 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 is pr- pretty interesting. And, but by the third, um, uh, my jaw was dropping almost the entire time. I felt like it was it, – it, it is so worth getting to the third episode of this, this project. Uh, third well, I'm,
0: I, I, I'm not going to speak vaguely, so spoiler alert. I, you know, if we're going to talk about it, I feel like we can talk about it. Um, the, the, the show is around um, in the ni- early 1980s, early to mid-1980s. There was, in Salt Lake City, uh, a book collector – who, uh, who is Mormon fellow, who, what? uh, was, who dealt in rare books, historic books, historical document and books. So, in other words, not just a book like, hey, I like this first edition, um, Farewell the Arms, but things, things that were even, you know, historically, uh, significant. And he became somewhat of a whiz on finding the unfindable mm-hmm. with regards to things that were, especially things that were related to the Mormon church and and then at some point one of one of the people that he dealt with who who had bought some of his documents in the past uh was you know you know was bombed as and then and then um the wife of another of another guy that he had dealt with was also bombed and then he himself was bombed correct he um, survived he but he survived the other two died right. he survived um <clears throat> i to be, you know, now, Josh. You tell me if you want me to give away I, the ending.
1: I was going to suggest that perhaps if you can, and maybe this this will pay off for people who listen, and maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe they won't. We'll refer to the person who committed the crimes as the bomber.
0: Right. The I predicted. Committed- I I predicted who the bomber was. Okay. okay. That that be- that being said, it is still a compelling story because, like Hollywood movies, it doesn't matter. For me, what the ending is, right? It's how you get to the ending that really matters. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if it, if because otherwise the, if if the it, so there are, there are movies that are at like one at best one liners, maybe two liners, like The Usual Suspects, right? Kevin Spacey's guys are say, and you don't know it the whole time until the very end, and then Correct. you can watch it a second time and be like, whoa, it was there for us all along. How cool! But then after that, you don't necessarily want to keep watching the movie because it was kind of a one-liner. Whereas, right. okay. whereas there are, you know, whereas like a instant classic by Casablanca is so filled with so many, so much great dialogue and compelling situations. It doesn't matter how many times you see it. It grabs you every time. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, that, that's why surprise endings are in this case it doesn 't matter if you know it's it 's
1: sort of how you get there that matters I totally agree well in in keeping with that that philosophy, we can explain that the entire third episode you know who it is during the entire time so it's not it 's not i think pivotal to appreciating the the series to have it be a surprise, but it is worth knowing if you feel like the second episode may be uh, a little bit by the numbers or something along those lines, that it does, that there is a major turn in the third episode and the entire third episode does deal with that. Um, Yes. And and I think, what's that?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, no, I agree.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I thought that um, it, 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 I think in the first two episodes, it leads you to believe that um, the, um, the Mormon church is the, the, is the culprit and is in fact a little bit seedy and to be honest i was concerned while watching it that um it could have been accused of being anti-mormon or be uh, you know that mormons could be uh perceived as victimized as a result of it but goodness gracious it 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 turns away from that, too. So I I highly recommend the old um, Murder Amongst the Mormons. It's definitely worth the the three parts. And you you know who – one of the guys who directed it, right? Do you know who's responsible? No, I didn't pay attention. Yeah, yeah. It's the guy who directed Napoleon Dynamite, who is also a former Mormon. So I I, I thought there'd be some tea that was spilled, Um, but there – I didn't seem to be too much tea as far as I'm concerned. Tea that was spilled? Is that an expression to which I'm not familiar? Yeah, that I may or may not be be using uh appropriately or accurately it has to do with basically uh sharing um of dirty laundry kind of right so what, what's the expression when you like something, something about spilling tea
0: <laughs> right so so that's going to be our new uh, podcast coming out in a week uh tea spilling <laughs> or <laughs> still still that tea or
1: uh, tea fillers right right um <laughs> the, um, the the and I, I think that we're probably let's talk about one more of them. If that's all right with you, and um, sure. the th- thing is, is I would like to see um, uh, you know obviously it's, it's Oscar season and um, I want to see Mank, which you you described uh, quite well and seem to have done quite well, and, and Nomadland definitely. Before we talk Oscar stuff, so how about we say Judas? And we talk a little bit about King of Staten Island. Are you down with that? Sure, sure.
0: I mean, okay. I, yeah.
1: Yeah, in, in fact, I would say King of Staten Island, um, to me, um, felt and played, this is going to sound like a strange combo, but similar to Crashing in terms of the the humanity of the characters. I, now, I, I don't think we've necessarily discussed Judd Apatow too much, um, or even if his name has come up at all. Are, would you consider yourself a Judd Apatow fan? Of course I am.
0: So listen, Judd Apatow is a big time proponent of making sure all of his characters, he's a comedy producer, director, and writer. All of his stories must have some sort of heart or core to it. And he's not a, he's not a, he's not a, you know, know, I can't even think of a, you know, he's not going to make a spoof comedy like airplane or even arguably like something about Mary, his, his characters in all of his shows and movies have some sort of real, realness to them and, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, and flaws to them that um, make them seem more relatable. And if you think about all, all of his movies, like Knocked Up, I never saw This is 40, but the title sort of says it all for you, mm-hmm. 40-Year-Old Virgin, which you would think is kind of spoof-like, but if you see it, realize that you know, there's a there's humanity to that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even super bad, which I believe he produced. I don't think he directed. I'm not sure. Yeah, he but did. But he, uh, he did Freaks and Geeks. Oh yeah, uh, which re- which bore out a whole tr- troop of future uh, comedic writers and actors.
1: Have you watched uh, so,
0: Um A long time ago, I watched the first couple episodes. and never got around to. Um, yeah, it's, it's back
1: on Hulu. Um, as of like this this but month. Let's not sidebar. Out. Let's not sidebar.
0: Stay on stay on kings. Let's not go too far. But yes,
1: it, it's there for you if you want it, people.
0: And and so he helped write this show, King of Staten Island, with uh, with Pete Davidson of Saturday Night Live fame. And uh, I would say more than any of the aforementioned comedies, this one is a whole lot less funny.
1: mhm Well, that's it's
0: it is, it, it is more, much more of a character drama, almost, almost independent film festival kind of movie feel to it. Right. So I, I was even any of the moments that are funny are very cringy funny. Would you agree? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah you, yeah. you
0: you have to have a very dark sense of humor to be like that's funny. There, there are mm-hmm. things that are charming, but, but um, that that occur that makes you smile. But, but but any of the other things that they're like, ooh, that's, you know, not necessarily funny.
1: Right. So based on what you were saying to begin with as far as the characters, too, I think that it is – and this will pay off those who um, listen to our conversation about the Queen's Gambit. Um, it reminded me of that conversation because it reminded me – of the way in which really good storytellers allow uh, write really good characters and let the characters determine what happens throughout the story. And I think that one one of the things that I like about Judd Apatow is that, and this is, again, echoing kind of what you said, that he writes truly human characters. And each one is very, very flawed. But each one is very, very human. And I could see someone watching this movie and disliking potentially any single character in the movie, all of them behave in ways that are, you know, um, selfish and that, it, or could be perceived as selfish. Uh, could be perceived as um, just just flawed, deeply making decisions that are not in the best interest of either their friends or family or even themselves. And yet. Yes. There's something about the humanity of each of these characters that you're through in a way that a lot of stories don't. And, you know, I was really concerned when it got to the third act that it was going to um, – that there was going to be a Cinderella-type ending
0: and that
1: um, – What do you call the third act, when he he goes to live at the firehouse? Yes, yes, when, when okay. there, I, I consider it broken up into three acts. The first act ends when his friends go to jail. The second act ends when he and Bill Burr are kicked out. And then the third act is from then on. And I was worried that it would become almost Disneyfied. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think that it did. And Yeah, I, um, I don't even see this one in three acts,
0: but they, they, that's, I guess, splitting hairs. I see it as more of a – almost more of a five-act structure.
1: But, um, that, that, but that maybe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I'm sure that one could split up that the first act into a, a couple of them that they liked. I just felt like that was that that was the way that I, I made the dividing line. Um, but um, I was I was profound. I was so moved actually that um, I, I well this, this is going to be a, a strange setup to it, but um, I was so moved that I actually. Fell asleep during the last like fifteen minutes. <laughs> this is like the radish fries all over again. Yeah, I, don't, I don't
0: know. <laughs> um, I, I it is so asleep. good. I fell asleep. These, well, no, I,
1: I'm so. <laughs> Get let me let me finish that. Okay, um, okay. So I fell asleep during the last fifteen minutes, and then um, I it, because I was that tired, daylight babies and all that. Um, but I woke up this morning and watched the last fifteen minutes. And, um, I teared up twice, um, during that last 15 minutes, um, even without having had the, you know, reservoir of emotional energy of having watched the entire movie through right then. Just watching those last 15 minutes, it paid, it, it paid off for me. I, I thought it was a remarkably human movie. And I think that, um, that Pete Davidson, if, if we didn't know as much about him as a person, that he would have, um, he could very well have been nominated for an Academy Award. But because it's such a vulnerable character, but it's so close to what we know of Pete Davidson, that his acting, though, again, vulnerable and so well done, is nothing compared to say, or I'm not going to say nothing, but cannot be compared to, say, the, uh, um, the actor who plays Fred Hampton and Judas, which we're not going to get into that movie necessarily, but that guy is so much acting in that film, if you know anything about him as a person, he's not anything like the character that he's playing, that it makes sense that that person would, would be um, uh, recognized in a way that Pete Davidson, it could, one could um Especially in a in a in a race as strong as it seems like they are this year, I can see why he would have been overlooked. But I thought he was remarkable. I thought Bill Burr was remarkable. All of the cast was awesome. Marissa Tomei was was unbelievable. Do you know he that it's based on Pete Davidson's life? The story uh, vaguely, vaguely. I know his dad passed away. It's not his dad. His
0: dad didn't just pass away. His dad was a firefighter, and his dad died in nine eleven. If you'd have let me finish my sentence, that's exactly. Oh oh oh. Point that. oh 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 oh! <laughs> right right. And I think, but, so, but, I mean, so when you're saying, you know, it,
1: that's part of what makes it a human story It's based on you know, real events. Well, yeah, no, I'm fully aware of that. And I also know that the, um, like the scene at the end where all the firefighters are humanizing his dad, that's also a real story. I don't know that it happened at a fire station while he was staying there, but I do know that that was a fundamental, pivotal moment in his life where he recognized the humanity of his dad. Right. And did you know Steve Buscemi was a firefighter, too? I did not know that.
0: Yeah, and, no, that and he played be... the firefighter in this movie, yeah, right, before, yeah, he, before yeah. he broke as an actor, yeah. Um, yeah, it uh, – it, it, I think that – and that's what storytelling does, right, the good stuff, is you take a real event and then try to add color to it to make it work for the story, but also to sort of change it to protect the – the identities of the innocent and guilty, so to speak. Right. And, and, and provide a bunch of what if, like mm-hmm. what if, because obviously Pete Davidson went on to become a comedian, whereas this character aspired to be a tattoo artist, um, you know, and although totally different careers and career paths, similar to the idea of you tell telling people, Hey, this is what I want to do. They'd be like, okay, yeah, but what do you really want to do with your life? You can't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you know, get your head out of the cloud. You're not, you can't be that, right? Um, so they sort of just flipped it into something that would have visual appeal, um, probably, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you know, but it, it was, it, I, I, I had to watch it in shifts just because of the way time works for me now. Mm-hmm. And I, there were moments when I, <clears throat> I was not in a position where I could allow myself to get teary,
1: so I shut it off. <laughs> <that> right. And, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh it was of course a wonderful time to chatting with you, and Mr. Jumbo or Gaby And um I look forward to talking to you again soon and hearing about how uh, your lovely week has been. You have a wonderful week. Talk to you soon. Likewise. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. See ya. Any...